boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, lads and ladies, and those who don't subscribe to the channel, welcome to the GPTI Questions Podcast with Spencer and Lee. Spencer, say hey to people. Hey, everybody. Been a long time, Spencer. Been a long time. I have been out of commission. Um, you might still hear a little rasp in my voice. I've lost my voice for about a three to four week period. It was not good times. Yeah, you know, it's awfully appropriate for the episode we'll eventually talk about where our Robert Baratheon was just waylaid by unexpected factors. It was just left essentially death in his deathbed for countless weeks. A couple things there. One, um, I like that you compared me to King Bobby B. <laughs> you're um, you're welcome. continue to do that all the time. Okay. Uh, but two, I don't know that I like that you compared uh, me losing my voice to him on his deathbed. So. I think there's an apt, <laughs> okay, I think there's an apt <laughs> comparison here. I mean, Robert unable to stand and wield his warhammer, one thing. You unable to wield the power of your voice, similar category. <laughs> it is my strength. Um, okay, so today we're not uh, diving into our season one coverage. Uh, we are putting that on hold because, Spencer, we got season eight coming up. Roaring down the pipeline, yeah. So excited. We are going to do our predictions pod. We've been promising it on other uh, podcasts, um, on the GT Got Questions podcast uh, feed. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it today. We're going to actually talk season eight predictions. Okay. Uh, before we do that, Spencer, do you want to talk about the newest episode of Mangum Reads? All right. Well, it, it, for our longtime listeners, of which I believe there are four of you on a given good day, uh, we have been spending the last three weeks talking about Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Uh, this week, we have completed our exploration of that lovely book, talking about a few of the last remaining very important overarching characters, as well as just what, impre- uh, what our, who our favorite character was in this extended treatise on character involvement and plot, and then also just discussing what made the writer's ultimate points about the city of Savannah were in this uh, combination character study slash travelogue slash trial documentary as a result of probably needing to justify to his editor why he was writing the damn book. But um, between all of those, we had a blast talking about it, and uh, we hope you'll enjoy listening. Yeah, I listened to a little bit of that uh, recording yesterday, um, and it seemed like a very pleasant conversation. Yeah, we have a blast just talking about various books. It's nice to have a digital book club for the internet to take part in. Yeah, it is. Um, okay, and then we have another episode of Whiskey of the Weekends coming up. Um, it should be posted here in the next couple days. Those are always a lot of fun. I don't even remember what we talked about, but we drank whiskey and we, we, we handled it. <laughs> One may lead to the other not remembering what we're talking about, but, you know, details. Uh, okay, well, let's I'll, let's talk season Well, one, one last thing about Mangum Reads, just for housekeeping's sake, I don't know if Sarah's told you yet. Uh, okay. Where can you read a book for next week and join in? Um, okay, what, what am I reading? Uh, thematically appropriate, given that season eight of Game of Thrones is occurring, uh, we are reading the next of the Duncan Egg series, The, the Sworn Sword. Uh, so we all, Yes, uh, we, I will do that. Which I think is honestly perhaps my favorite of the novellas. Uh, so we were hoping we could recruit you just to keep our channel Game of Thrones themed for a week. You have got it. I love Duncan Egg. I love the second Duncan Egg story. I am in. Well, given how much fun you, you, you got me. Given how much fun we had when you jumped into Guards Guards with no prior knowledge, having you with actual knowledge of the text, don't even know what joy we can expect out of this. Yeah, it might not be as good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not reading was the secret sauce. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk season eight. Okay. Uh, I've gone back in prep. We did a, uh, go. you can go back uh, a couple podcasts ago. We did a season eight trailer review. Um, little over two minute trailer, little under one hour podcast. So we really covered the trailer extensively, but I did go back and watch it just to prep for this podcast. Um, Spencer, we're flying blind here because we can't do our normal GOT Got Questions uh, format where we do a recap, best line, and then book nerd bitching. Mm-hmm. So I have created some new segments. Oh, God. 
Spencer's not been told these. He's not ready for uh -huh. these, but I'm going to throw them on him anyway. Uh -huh. Spencer, let's ease into it. This is going to be an easy topic, easy segment. Please. General things you are excited about. And I will start with one, and it's relatively obscure. Um, but I just, it makes me so happy. Uh, I can't wait to see Tyrion fighting on the battlements of Winterfell. Because I felt like, and we covered this in our season seven coverage, I felt like Danny was so mean to him mm -hmm. when she said, basically, you're not a hero. Uh, this is a chance for him to say, look, I know I'm, I'm a half man. I'm, I'm not a particularly skilled warrior, but it's all hands on deck here. And I'm all in. I'm fighting. It, it's an interesting point of contrast between the show and the books and how they've depicted Tyrion. Of where the show is again emphasized that Tyrion is brilliant, he is capable. Sometimes, other than the last season where Cersei's constantly got his goat, but, you know, details. Um, but one thing the books go, go also into is that he is still a trained son of La son of the Lannister family. That when he wishes to throw down, he's pretty damn lethal, particularly when he's on horseback. Um, there's several scenes, particularly like in the Battle of Blackwater, of where Tyrion is being escorted by two knights of the Kingsguard, and while he's not in any way measuring up to them, he's still making a pretty damn good account for himself, leading Sally's directly into the enemy forces. So Tyrion as a warrior has been something the show has really kind of skirted around and not gone into just to focus on his power of his mind and distinguish him from his brother's skill with skill with weapons. But Tyrion throwing down will be an interesting thing to see. Yeah, and I think that having him fight on the battlements as the whites are coming up right. the castle wall mm -hmm. um, eliminates that sort of disadvantage for his height, right? What? Because all you really you're really just punching down. I mean, it's also one of the situations where we talked about. It was so interesting to see Varys kind of just cowering down in the crypts of Winterfell, seemingly afraid and confused in a way we've never really seen him before. But we've kind of reached a point of where, okay, literally, the the concept of the apocalypse is at your gates. You can't argue with that. You can't bargain with that. You can't do funny little little finger and Varus games around that. All you can really do is draw a sword and just meet it. So it's just kind of, it's kind of a put up or shut up moment for our very in, our very intelligent, very capable scheming characters of where, other than getting other armies to the situation, there's not much they can really contribute other than if they can draw a sword and fight. And it looks like Tyrion at least is making that decision. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, I just think that there's probably going to be a moment where they're planning the battle and everybody's there talking and Tyrion just goes, I'll fight. I'll be on the, I'll be on the castle wall. Mm -hmm. And Danny shoots him a look like that's what I'm really hoping for mm -hmm. is for Danny to finally figure out she was wrong about Tyrion. Tyrion is a hero. Uh, and he does done many heroic things as he pointed out in season seven. Mm -hmm. Uh, my turn. Or do you have another one in mind? Yeah, go ahead. All right. My turn. And this one has a certain bittersweet edge to it, which is appropriate given how George R. R. Martin said the series would end. I just want an ending that I otherwise never may get. I am fully pessimistic in the idea we will ever get a fin a, an end to the books. I don't think he's interested no. in it. I think he's fully, I think from what I'm hearing, he's already just fully invested himself in, you know, writing television episodes for the prequels when they come out. Um, which kind of broaches the idea that maybe all, writing all the Game of Thrones books was just his long-term cagey goal, his little fingery plan to get back into television writing where he started before he got kicked out and decided to write books instead. Wh which case, bravo, sir. Well done. But It's worked. Uh, the idea that we will finally be able to get a conclusion to some of these story arcs. We will finally know how the others can or if they will be defeated. How the resolution of Cersei's control of King's Landing will occur. How the conversation between... What will be the long-term relationship, if any, between John and Danny? There are so many overarching questions that people have been building for just years that regardless if they will necessarily be the ones we want, the ones that George R. R. Martin intended, they will be conclusions 
They will be endings. They will be answers, unless the show goes full lost, in which case, fuck the show. Um, but I'm looking forward to the idea that we will be able to finally put a coda on so many of these things that I've been invested in for so long. Yeah, no, I don't think it's going to be a lost ending because Lost had their self in a pretzel um, and had no way to get out of it. I mean, there's there's a hundred ways for Game of Thrones to get out of this, right? They can conclude it any number of ways. They've set the table. I do think we're going to get a conclusion, and I think it's going to be one that we like or at least one that we respect. It's one of the things where I think that Game of Thrones, or at least hope that Game of Thrones, has been written and developed with a different kind of mindset than either things like Lost or Battlestar Galactica were. Where I feel like for shows like Lost and Battlestar Galactica, they had hinted at the idea that there was a conclusion. They hinted at the idea they had a long-term goal, but they never really had it. Or if they did, they abandoned it at some point and then never were able to really reestablish it. And so they were kind of scrambling to find any means of fitting resolution just because they had been they had lost it or had not even developed as they went on. Game of Thrones seems like it's a show of where there were plot points, there was a structure that was written out from the beginning and has been developed in that manner which has the hope of a more concrete, developed, planned ending than what some of these other shows, which I've enjoyed, were ultimately able to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and this isn't a Lost podcast, but Lost, I mean, that was hilarious because about season two or three, the fan base was like, oh, so this is Purgatory. Yeah. And they were like, no, it's not. Yeah. And they, like, four more seasons, they insisted it wasn't Purgatory. And then in the final episode... Purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, we, it's okay that we guessed it. That means that you were, you know, foreshadowing it well. That's all right. You can't... Yeah, just stay quiet on it. <laughs> or just end it after four seasons. Not every show needs to be, like, an eight-seasoner. Um, or it's like the How you met How, uh, how I Met the, uh, Your Mother thing of where... Did you ever watch that one? Yeah, I've watched it. Sure. I've watched it some. I haven't watched all of it, but it's the idea that, okay, we had a goal from the very beginning, but then we got permission to do like seven seasons, and we so we just kind of abandoned that goal, but oh wait, that's the only goal we originally planned on, let's go back to that. Yeah, and as much as I hate, hate, hate that Game of Thrones is ending, it does seem like they're ending it on their timeline, yeah. because they could easily do three or four more seasons of the show, and everyone would watch, and they'd make a barrel of money, but they're choosing to end it now. Yeah. So, respect for that. Um... Anything else on that before I go to another thing I'm excited about? Please, go on. I'm excited for, and this is this is pure speculation, but I'm excited because I think it's going to happen, for them to tease and ultimately not give us Clegane Ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Explain that one, please. Well, I think that at this point, the, the showrunners are pretty self-aware. I mean, they had that great line for Gendry uh, or uh, for Davos when he saw Gendry again in season 7 I thought you were still rowing which is just a shout out to like Reddit memes Mm -hmm. uh, of Gendry I think that they know that everybody wants Clegane Ball for those that don't know what that is that's um, what the fandom has dubbed a battle between Sandor Clegane and his brother um, the Mountain Uh, but I don't think we're going to get it but I do think they're going to tease it because they teased it in the season finale of season 7 where they (laughs) you know like uh the hound, when everybody's gathered there in the dragon pit, the hound goes up to the mountain and says, you know, you know what's coming for your brother. Uh, you've always known. Mm-hmm. And I, we interpreted that as the hound. I'm coming for you. I think we're going to get it teased, but I don't think they're going to go through it. And it's going to make the fans crazy. Like, like episode five probably is where we figure out we don't get it. And everybody's going to freak. They're going to have to be careful about that. Cause if, they, if they like end an episode with the idea... And so it shall be a bowl between us. And then they don't do it the next episode. There might be fires. There might be people marching in the street. Is 
plugging. Shout out to you, Spencer, for that line. They totally need to use that. There will be a bowl between us. <laughs> and then the next episode, it's them just sharing porridge. It's like, yeah, just having, uh, a, having some some of those fucking chickens. Yeah. Sandor likes so much. I call this chicken pate. Mmm, very good. It's like they recreate the scene from Young Frankenstein of where Gene Hackman and the monster are sharing soup together. It's like, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. Ooh, nice reference. Yeah, but that's what I'm excited about. Uh, the teasing and not getting of Clickable. Mm. Uh, okay, well, that that is, that is an interesting revealing statement about you, I feel, in some ways. Um, from Okay, my turn? Yeah, man, go Okay, ahead. I will go with, um, well, here's one that I'm really looking forward to. I am looking for a season with cost. I am looking forward to a season which has loss. I am looking for a season that harkens back to the feeling that we had at the end of season one when Ned Stark suddenly and unexpectedly lost his head. Spoilers, I guess, for what we're, what we've not yet gotten in season one. Um, I'm yeah, I'm looking to, to to harken back to that thing in the early seasons of where the idea of plot armor really wasn't there, of where there was this constant tension, this constant risk, uh, just a, a utter challenging to our prior fantasy expectations that certain characters, the heroes, would ultimately be protected. From what they've suggested this season, anyone is potentially at risk, and they actually mean that this time. That this is a season of where if we end up surviving, if anyone ends up surviving, it will be hard, it will be brutal, it will be bittersweet at best. And that kind of cost, that kind of emotional investment being brought to the forefront and even potentially pushed over the cliff is something I very much want to see play out. It takes guts to do that. It takes dealing with the idea of the wrath of your fandom for killing off fan favorites. And the show has been willing to do that at times in the past. Last couple seasons have been really, well, last season in particular was a little bit rough on that subject and even a couple episodes in the season before that. But it looks like they're very much going back to their roots in that regard, and I'm very much looking forward to see it. Have you seen the newest teaser trailer for season eight called Aftermath? You know, I haven't. I actually was wasn't sure if you want if we were going to watch that together or not. Yeah, we, we well we can, um, but I'll, I'll just tell you what it is. I mean, it's very quick, but it's um, clearly this like um, destroyed castle with a ton of snow around it. And they go to shots of like trinkets or weapons of all of our, all, all of our favorite characters. So like Longclaw is just covered in snow. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny's dragon brooch is just hanging on like a piece of like jutted wood. Um, Arya's dagger, the same dagger that was uh, used to attempt to kill Bran. All of it's just in the snow, and it, it looks like very much like you know destitute area mm-hmm. so i think they're teasing this idea of yeah there is going to be real cost here mm-hmm. we're going to see some deaths and i actually i i believe that because i know that not i know but I, we all strongly suspect that in the trailer we didn't get anything past episode three and that tells me that episode three is going to have some transformative moments and they don't want to give it away um, by showing you know what's going on in episode four five six mm-hmm. okay i yeah i I think in some ways, I may be giving the show too much credit, we'll have to see, but back to like season two of when they did their version of the House of the Undying, which I missed having some of the prophecies, but they did give us one haunting, very interesting scene. You remember that, of where it was King's Landing under snow? Yep. And Danny walking through the throne room. Walking through the brutalized throne room, the top torn open, snow covering everything. That is something they've been teasing a while. That is something that they've been directly hinting at for a while. And if they have the guts to do that, if they have the guts to actually have our heroes legitimately lose 
or legitimately suffer that kind of losses that down to even King's Landing is destroyed, hell, I'll be in. I'll be game. I'll be talking about this for years to come. Well, you're also game because we made a bet on who will actually sit the throne at the end, and you took Cersei. I think I gave you 10 to 1 odds or something. Well, you know, actually, we were supposed to do it now. We have yet to put the money down. We should do it now if we're going to do this at the end of the podcast. All right. Yeah, let's let's tease that segment. We're going to actually put some money where our mouth is Gam- on our prediction. And who sits the throne at the end. Okay. Um, I, I, as an aside, I have a side bet with Levi on this. Um, <laughs> and I think I gave him 10 to 1 as well. Um, I mean, it, and he will collect. I mean, Levi will come with a crowbar. <laughs> Levi will take knees to get that cash. <laughs> Alright. Um, cool. Alright. Things I'm excited about. What you got? Um, Number three. Yeah. So this leads into our next segment. I'm excited about reunions. <sighs> yeah. And I think what we're gonna get a like we're gonna get probably more reunions and more of that, like, oh my god, like I'm so glad that we got this moment in episode one. Mm-hmm. I think that we're gonna get a lot of that because the showrunners have already said episode one is Danny uh, and John and Danny's armies. Going into Winterfell. Yeah. Uh, and I can picture what reunion in particular you're looking forward to probably as much as I am. I, I might surprise you. Oh, please. Um, surprise me, sir. So I think you're talking about Arya and Jon. Damn straight. Yeah. So give a little give a little bit on that. Why are you looking forward to Arya and Jon? Because I'm, I mean, their relationship going back to like season one was the most heartfelt. That previously we've seen you know, Jon and Sansa interact where, particularly in the show, we just never saw them interact at all. That Sansa almost was maintaining the same distance that her mother was. Um, in the books, there's a bit more, mostly just Sansa reminiscing about how she even misses John, how she even wants to see him, and how she views him as a brother, rather than anything we actually saw between them. So the Sansa John meeting, like, what was that? Was that last season or the season before that? How long has this been now? Last season. Last season. Was, you know, it was heartfelt, it was very touching, but it wasn't like they had the most established background that we've seen before on the show. Uh, John and Bran could be a great reunion and it could be a great reunion in the sense that it will be painful as shit to see it play out because i don't picture i don't picture bran having an emotional reaction to it anymore that we're, no and and i was wrong it, it was actually season six when john and Sansa yeah. reunited gotcha because um, right yeah. before the battle of the bastards exactly yeah um but no you're right i think that bran and john is going to be interesting because i feel like it's going to be you know john is going to be effusive as much as he can be and Bran's going to be very businesslike. Like, <laughs> I just kind of see it like, Bran, my brother. And he's like, sit down, John. I have something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, and I can almost picture... something very serious to discuss with him. And that scene we saw of John and uh, Danny in the crypts, I can almost picture that occurring after this scene because John was very close with Bran. Very much so. The, the two of them oh, yeah. very much siblings. So to see Bran at this point, this utterly removed from the humanity, this more weirwood tree than person, could really affect John a lot. Um, or, or I posit you this, they could go the other way where he says, look, I've been through this transformative thing. And John goes, yeah, me too. Like it could be. John, John's not the same as he was, uh, before he died. I mean, it's more subtle on the show than I think it will be in the books yeah. or would be in the books if the books got finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is different. It is, but I don't picture brand broaching that common ground. John may try and to which I think brand's just not going to care. Brand's John's still coping with his journey. Brand's already made it to the destination and is looking back. Uh, yeah, he was willing to dismiss Mira, which, by the way, Brand 
taking a man card there. That was no good. <laughs> that was a punch to the gut. I mean, that, that, and that could be a very meaningful. We were talking about. I, I was doing reunions from a very positive light, emotional, happy tears kind of light. It can be a very powerful reunion if it is the exact opposite. <laughs> if it could be, uh, I've come to, I've, I've invested all of this in coming back to see you again, and I'm now talking with a corpse that resembles a person. Um, so yeah, that could play out. But for me, Arya John is just the ultimate emotional payoff, just because they had such a close relationship that so much of Arya, particularly in the books, is invested in the idea of John. That even her lodestone, in some ways, is what she associates with her memories of John, of thinking about John and Winterfell is one of the things that secures herself regardless of how much she starts going into the idea of no one. So seeing them come together, seeing what effect that has on Arya, seeing how much of this no one persona they put first and foremost of her character is merely a facade, it'll be really interesting to see. Okay, so, I mean, I think that the fandom would agree with you. I think if you did like a doodle poll on Reddit or something, you'd get 60-70% of folks excited about John Arya Reunion more than any other reunion, but I will tell you the one I'm most excited about, what is, Spencer. What is the minority vote? I'm not expecting this. It's the Hound and Arya. Huh. I can't wait because I feel huh. like Arya now is, is removed from... She's, she's smarter now, right? Yeah. And I think she's able to look back and see that the Hound, in his own weird, clumsy way, was really trying to help her. Mm -hmm. And we know that. Uh, we knew it back then, in uh, season, I think, five. But we absolutely know it because in season seven, going into the dragon pit, Brienne uh, and the Hound have a conversation, and the Hound specifically wants to know about Arya. And when he finds out that Arya now is a badass, mm -hmm. um, he he gives this really super genuine smile, maybe one of the most genuine smiles we've seen from that actor mm -hmm. in in seven seasons. So I can't wait to see them reunite because I feel like Arya is going to be warm to him, and that's going to mean an awful lot to the Hound. It's just one of those things of where. I don't necessarily like how they've painted uh, Arya and Bran in the last season in terms of really focusing on the emotionless aspects of their character. I don't think the Hound can get her to drop those layers in the same way that Jon could. So, I mean, if Arya's just greeting him as a badass, that's fine, whatever else, but I don't think she'll show much humanity behind it in the same way that she could with Jon. I, I picture her shooting him a smile. Possibly. Just a, quick, just a quick smile, and that would be enough for the Hound. I love their little buddy cop thing that they were doing. Um, I felt like the Hound was more kind to Arya than anyone uh, in the show gave him credit for. Um, I mean, even think back to the Red Wedding. Mm -hmm. He was trying to take her back to her brother. Um, and he, you know, he made the thing of, oh yeah, your brother's going to pay me a lot of money. Well, he knew, I mean, he knows that the Lannisters would have paid more money for Arya. Mm -hmm. but, but he went to Rob. So I think the Hound has been very good to Arya. I'm excited to see them together again. Um, and this will dovetail into other things we're going to talk about in this podcast because one of the story arcs I'm the most interested in, which might sound weird to our listeners, is the Hound. Uh, his journey has been so interesting. Hmm. Well, here's a practical question as well that just kind of occurred to me. Uh, how much use is Arya going to be in this coming fight? I mean, she has an elite array of skills that do not seem well designed to, to confront either zombies or their zombie masters. I think she'll be good. I mean, I think that she'll just be up on the battlements hacking away. With, um, with, I mean, that's with dragon glass because needle isn't going to serve much good against a zombie. Probably dragon glass, um, but maybe uh, her Valerian or dagger as well because Valerian steel also just you know I, apparently just kills the whites. It, it, that's one thing they've been very ambiguous about. We know it kills white walkers like nobody's business, but seemingly John was just hacking apart whites with uh, it, with um, 
uh, long claw back, back. Yeah, you're right. It's it's been inconsistent, but I, I think they're they're landing on in later seasons that it actually does kill the whites. But you, you're 100 percent right. In earlier seasons, they they weren't consistent with that. We'll see. All right. Um, other things I'm looking forward to. If you have another one in mind, go on ahead. Because I, 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 unlike you, I'm I'm entirely unprepared. <laughs> yeah. No. So I, that's that's totally fine. Um, I am excited for a John Sam reunion. Oh. Oh, good choice. Good choice. Um, I noted this in our notes for the upcoming GOT Got Questions podcast on season one, episode seven, You Win or You Die. But honestly, I think that Sam is the only person in seven seasons that has got John to genuinely laugh. Yeah, that's a guy. He he is able to take John to a place, a casual, I'm having fun, I'm laughing, I'm lighthearted place. Mm-hmm. That no other character can do, and we all know John is this brooding, like super serious character. But Sam can interact with him in a way that it lets his guard down, and I think that's sorely needed before the battle with the others, uh, before episode three. So what I think is going to happen is you're going to have that reunion. It'll be emotional. You're going to have Brand disclose to John his true parentage, who he is, that he actually has a claim to the throne. You'll have some weird interactions with John and Danny, and I hope in episode two before the battle. John's able to just bro it out with Sam a little bit. Like, <laughs> let's just get a pot of porridge and sit and talk. And I think that they'll be able to slip back into that same relationship where Sam is supportive, but he also is able to pull out of John something more fun and casual and relaxed than any other character is able to do. So I love the bromance there. I don't usually use that term because I think it gets overdone, but I think there really is one here. I think these two folks, uh, Sam and John, are really close. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm happy to see them back together again before the battle. And I'll tell you this. I do not know this at all. This this is not a spoiler. I haven't read it anywhere. But I am sure that Samuel Tarley picks up a sword and fights in this battle. We've seen him pick up a crossbow before. We've seen him stab another in the back. Sam is capable of far more than he ever thought he was in season one. And so, yes, I b- fully believe when push comes to sub, Sam the Slayer will rise again. There's no, I mean, we he's. I mean, think about it when um, on the episode in season five, Watchers on the Wall, mm-hmm. where he told Gilly, "I'm a man of the Night's Watch. I have to fight." Yeah. And Gilly's like, "You, what can you do?" And he's like, "Whatever I can, but I'm going out." And there. he straight up, I think he's going to do the same thing. He straight up killed a Fend. It was charging at him right like a couple minutes after that. So Sam has grown remarkably as a character. He is capable of a lot. Um, I think he's maybe grown the most of any character, right? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I, yeah, I, I love Sam and John's relationship. In some ways, I see it in an odd way, very similar to Ned Stark and Robert Baratheon's relationship, uh, with Sam with, with <laughs> Sam and Robert being polar opposites of each other, but still on the same plane. Uh, they both have a similar effect on the Ned Starkian version of where John is. John, though not literally Ned Stark's son, is very much his heir apparent in terms of his bearing, in terms of his morals, in terms of his principles, and in terms of his brooding kind of nature. And same way that Robert was one of the few people that was ever able to get Ned to truly open up and have fun to a certain degree, Sam seems to have that same effect on John. And so I delight in their relationship. I delight in both relationships in their own unique ways. And I ver- that's a very good call. I very much look forward to that. Also, Sam and King Bobby B, both big fans of women. <laughs> yes, uh, one was a lot. <laughs> one, one was a lot more willing to express it in the early going than the other. Though we're now raising wonderful questions to be maybe explored in a prequel someday of. What if Robert? What was Robert Baratheon like before he became proper King Bobby B? Maybe there were more similarities to the Sam that we originally that we're willing to let on. <laughs> Robert, the middle school years. 
Yeah, no, I think that that's going to be a fun reunion. I'm super excited about it. Do you have something else you're I, excited about? I do. Before we move to a new I do. And this is referencing in something we've not really talked about yet in this group. I am really damn excited to see how the show is going to depict the gold company. I, oh, yeah. Good call. In terms of this truly foreign equipment, it's, I mean, it's, an, it's an organization that has a core of uh, Westerosi exiles, but in terms of their equipment, in terms of the weapons they're bringing to bear, in terms of potentially even their style of fighting, they are a foreign group. They are a foreign mercenary army. And most of what we've seen of, you know, foreign groups, we've seen the Unsullied that are, you know, their own very lockstep rigid organization. We've seen the Dothraki, this all-encompassing horde. But to see a proper, well-disciplined, organized mercenary company that's incorporating both Westerosi styles of organization and discipline, with also foreign elements of combat, and see what core of leadership they give behind them, which I expect they'll probably cut, but it could be exciting to see what they do. That's just exciting, because we've seen them vaguely described on the page, but seeing them actually an elite army under the command of Cersei, following her will, that's exciting. I'm, I'm eager to see how they're depicted and what, how they ultimately end up wielding that force on her fa- in her favor. And I think it's going to be substantial. I mean, I know we only have six episodes here. Some of them are going to be outsized. I think the last three are an hour and a half. Um, but they did cast Harry Strickland, which is the leader of the, the Golden Company. I didn't realize. Which shows me that, yeah, they did. So it shows me, and he's actually in the trailer. You can you can see him in the trailer, kind of at the head of the, the ship mm-hmm. um, with the Golden Company. Um, so it, that by casting the actual leader of the Golden Company, it shows me that it's, it, they're not just you know sort of passing fancy in the show. They're going to have a substantial role in the plot. And that, yeah, I'm very much excited to see how that plays out because. As we will discuss in our bets, I would not give Cersei a poor chance of actually making a claim to this. They've de- they've depicted her as too smart, too capable, and having too much the number of, the, of our uh, quote unquote good guys. So I don't want Cersei to win. I especially don't because we're probably going to lay some serious money down that she doesn't. Um, <laughs> but I do think it would be hilarious if she does because think of how mad George R. R. Martin would be. <laughs> It'd be so counter. so different, so different than the Cersei character in the books. He would never would have to stand a chance of actually winning this thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that I think, is my full array, or at least enough array, of what I am looking forward to. Among countless other things, but those are the most fun to talk about. Okay. Let's do a new segment oh God. called Top 3 to Die, Top 3 to Live. <gasps> yeah. So You're not giving me any do, prep on this one. Okay. Well, I'm happy to go first, okay. um, so you can kind of wrap your head around the segment. But what we're going to do is we're going to go, I'll say my number three most likely to die. You say you're number three most likely to die. Then we'll go number three most likely to live, and then back to die, and then we end on your number one to live, your number one to die. I, I can try, but maybe may, may mostly just offering commentary on yours. We'll see. Yeah, so we're, we're basically building up, right, to our predictions on who's most likely to live through the series and who's most likely to die. Okay. So I will start with top three to die. I will go with number three, Torment. I don't think there's any chance Torment survives. Uh, my guess is that he doesn't go all the way back. to. So, so the last we saw of him, um, East Watch by the Sea was destroyed. The wall was busted. But he was able to make it to a point of the wall that didn't fall. So I think he'll probably go to the next castle. I don't know what that is off the top of my head. Come down and probably go to Last Hearth. Last Hearth is the closest castle to East Watch by the Sea. I think that's probably where the others are going to go first. We might see them there in episode one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Tormund dies there. So I, I don't... They... First off, Tormund should be dead already. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but I don't see a way in which he survives this thing. Um, do you have someone? I, I, have, some, you think I have someone in the same category of where uh, Beric Denarian. Yep, that's a good call. I, I think he very much is a character that we care enough about, but he's not necessarily integral to the plot, somebody they could kill off to add dramatic tension. I also think from a practical standpoint that he's in an interesting position of being very similar to John, where he's a resurrected individual with literally the fire of the Red God inside of him. So there's many fun ways they could play that in terms of him going full on last hero and taking out the others, uh, taking out various of the others, or similar to the books, using what is within him to resurrect somebody else. Um, I think there's many ways they can play out. I think he's a character that we have emotional investment in in a way that they could kill off in a way that adds something to the story, and that there's many fun ways they could play with it just due to the unique nature of who he is. Yeah, no, that's a really good call. Uh, I agree. Uh, so we'll move to our number three most likely to live. And mine for for this one is going to be... Jamie. Huh. Yep. I think Jamie is well positioned to live. I think that he's going to have a lot of backing in Winterfell when he goes there and humbles himself before the Stark and uh, Targaryen army. Um, I could see him, and, and from a plot perspective, it makes sense for him to survive because you want to see that reunion back in King's Landing. And if there's, and this will, we're, we're going to get to this in our next segment, which is our biggest predictions. Um, I, if you subscribe to the idea that Danny and John are not going to have a flat out victory, there's going to be some level of a defeat. You need that sort of person to bridge the gap with Cersei when they go back to King's Landing. Um, so I, I pick Jamie. I know it's a controversial pick. Uh, it's um, controversial, but I pick. Jamie. It's a controversial pick because I think it hinges on whether you think Cersei lives or dies. I think if Cersei, I think Jamie is one of the only individuals on this show that actually has a shot at being able to get close enough to Cersei to end her. Um, and I don't see him surviving that experience. I mean, the, blo the books have basically straight up foreshadowed that he's going to be the one to do it. I don't know the show's going to do that route. They've cut out that aspect of the prophecy. Um, but if Cersei falls, I think Jamie's the one that's most likely to do it. And I don't see him getting out of the room alive. And I don't think he'll care in that moment. Um, so I, I don't rank Jamie that high. I think Jamie's on that's my, okay. my, my death right. list. I'm kind of reaching there. I know. I know I'm kind of reaching there, but I, I just see Jamie leading the host, not leading, but being part of the lead of the host back to King's Landing after the, the battle with the others. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, that, that's, it's a guess. I'm out on a limb. Um, do you have number three most likely to live? I'm going to go with a controversial one, and I'll probably eat my words later, but I think it would just subvert expectations, and it would be an interesting resolution to the character. I think John actually stands a not an unreasonable chance of surviving this story. No, I'm with you. He was he was probably number four or five on my, my list. Of where I think John essentially in some ways left alone in the world, ruling over the North as just this silent, brooding protector kind of character with everybody else lost, having survived it all as he always finds a way to do. As they've just even joked that John always finds a way to come back. I don't know. It would be an unpleasant journey. He's going to lose a lot of people around him. He may be even straight up resurrected by Baratonarian or somebody else by Melisandre freaking coming back. Uh, again, I don't think there'd be as much left to John by that point. Um, but I think that in some ways, John, more than anybody else, has a way of surviving this story because they more with him more than anybody else. When he survives, there's a loss to it. 
there's a cost to it. There's a consequence to it. There's an an injury, something that he has to endure to keep going. And I like that. I like that he has a Ned Stark way of of, of growth, essentially, that that he's able to endure, essentially, countless things and keep going. And so John completing the story, I see is perfectly possible. It'll be interesting to see how that wraps up around it. No, I, I think that's a good pick. I, I do think of the the main heroes, John stands the, the most chance to live. And that's for a variety of reasons, I think. Um, one, we know that Catrice Van Houten, who plays Melisandre, is in season eight. Yeah. Um, and remember before the Battle of the Bastards when John said, look, if I fall, don't do that again. Don't resurrect me again. And she goes, no, it's not your call. Uh, I'm going to do it. And it's up to the Red God if he brings you back or not. So I could see that maybe happening again. I, I just think he has ways to get out of it that like a character like Cersei or Danny doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, good call. Uh, let's go to most likely to die. This one, my number two pick for most likely to die. This hurts me. It hurts me deep, Spencer. In my core, Dolores Ed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I very much picture Dolores Ed dying, and that's going to hurt. That's going to really mm-hmm. hurt. I mean, he's a great character in the books, but the show has really even brought him into his own and yeah, I don't see, I don't see him making it. I think I. I and for those that, uh, that that may not know that name, that's John's friend in the watch. Who, when John was resurrected and he hung his murderers, he gave uh, the cloak of the Lord Commander to. So right now he's presumably serving as a de facto Lord Commander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that is a very reasonable pick. I I. I mean, I'm just kind of, I don't think ours are necessarily perfectly tiered in terms of the ones we're coming up with, but I think that is perfectly reasonable for that, for that kind of spot. Um, I don't picture the Night's Watch surviving and I don't picture the Night's Watch retreating. Um, so I, I picture them as whites, to be honest with you. Do you think we'll get to see him die or would you think we'll just see him dead? Probably both. I think you'll, I think we'll see Castle Black get overrun. Yeah, it's true. The, and then I, I think that, or that maybe they'll go to Last Hearth, you know, to try to fight. Either way, the others are going to take him out. And then I think we will see Dolores Ed as another. God, I mean, second second to Hodor, that's going to hurt. Yeah, Hodor. That's going to be tough. I, I got money on that in terms of we're seeing zombie Hodor at some point, just to confront that issue. Um, okay, my turn? Yeah, number two, most likely to live. All right. No, most likely to die. Then you're most likely to die. Yeah, you're right. I okay. I'm debating which way to put, which way to put these two. I don't think these are necessarily most likely or not, but I'm pretty certain as to their deaths. I'm going to do this one, which I'm I'm probably even more certain than number one, but I want number one to be a bit shocking. Um, number two for me, Grey Worm. I do not picture the Unsullied as an organization surviving the Battle of Winterfell. They don't retreat. They don't fall back. They will die where they stand under orders, and I don't see Grey Worm leaving his men. So I very much believe the battle, group, battle outside Winterfell is not going to go well for our, for our group, and if that is the case, I don't picture the Unsullied as an organization making it out. So I rank Grey Worm very much as a likely casualty. We're very much emotionally invested in his character. We like the arc that he's given. They're going to delight in doing the tragedy of what happens as a result of that to, to Masende. So I picture Grey Worm as a very likely casualty of this season. That's a really good call. Um, yeah, that's it. I, I completely agree with that one. I think he may go in episode three, uh, maybe in the first half hour or so, because we already see from the trailer that he's out in front. Yeah. I mean, the Unsullied Army are out there, um, which, as we've discussed in this podcast, 
it makes a lot of sense for the Unsullied to be out there. Hey, it's the Battle of Kovar over again. This is the role that they are built for, to just hold the line against waves of enemy throwing themselves at them. To essentially serve not only as the anvil, but effectively a meat grinder. But I, in terms of dealing with a pretty much endless horde, I don't picture, I don't picture this working well, particularly when they're kind of lockstep formation. If that dragon swoops in to surprise, good God, can you imagine the devastation that's going to inflict? It would make what Danny did to the Lannister troops look like nothing at all against those close ranks of Unsullied. Oh. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Um, I, I, I agree with you there. So we'll move on to number two, most likely to live. Okay. I'm seeing Bran Stark, Three-Eyed Raven. <sighs> that's um, a tough one there. And I think that because if he dies, all is lost. Mm-hmm. Um, they the in only in order for him to die, you would need Danny and John's army to just flat out lose in episode three, because he's not going to be out in front. He's going to be one that a character where everyone is trying to protect him. Um, and I don't think that I, you know I don't think it's going to be a flat out loss in episode three. I mean Danny and John do have some substantial forces um, to to battle uh, the Night King and the others. So yeah, I would say Bran Stark. Uh, second most likely to live on my list? I don't have a second in mind, so I'm actually going to skip. I have a very dominant number one, though, of where I am almost freaking certain that he's going to live. So you mind if, okay. mind if I skip? Yeah, I, jump to it. Yeah, jump to okay, it. Okay, my number one, my almost certainty as to his survival, Sam. Ah, I like it. I like they it. Have, Are you subscribing to the, the theory that he writes the Song of Ice? Yes. I very much subscribe to that theory, particularly on the show. I have no scenario imagined in my mind by which Sam dies. Explain that theory to the listeners who may not have heard. Uh, one, of the, one of the very much theories that uh, the fandom, and particularly presented on the show, is the idea that the Song of Ice and Fire is indeed a tome that has been passed down. This is hearkening back, I mean, George R. R. Martin is a huge fan of um, Tolkien and Lord of the Rings, and Tolkien Lord of the Rings is framed as if Tolkien essentially just found the Red Book, written by Samwise Gamgee, uh, and that he then had adapted it into the Lord of the Rings, that it was a recording, it was an adaptation, it was a recording, a journal written, writing down of one of the characters who'd gone through his, his adventures and wanted to keep it recorded for posterity, and that the author is just merely providing a conduit, our real author, a conduit for the story. With how much George R. R. Martin loves Tolkien, to have a Sam character who's already telegraphed in the show is, you know, kind of announcing the name of the book or suggesting that maybe they need a better name for the book uh, when he's talking with one of the Grand Masters. I think it's very much possible that Sam, as if he returns to the Citadel or otherwise, is the one that compiles together the Song of Ice and Fire into a story to which George R. R. Martin has just merely found it and it adapted it for modern readers. Okay, yeah, well, that's good. I mean, if you subscribe to that theory, then you would have him number one with a bullet. I totally get that. Um, we're going to cut to my most likely to die. You've already covered it. I think it's the most obvious pick on the board, Grey Worm. Uh, Grey Worm's getting got. But, There's no way he survives. Can I provide just a coda? I think Grey Worm's the most likely to be got, but I, 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 I almost wanted to do this my number one just because it would be shocking to a certain degree. But of our main characters we've mostly done secondary characters most likely to die of our main characters who do you think is most likely to die danny danny's a very good choice that's honestly who i was going to put up there i was either going to be dan yeah. i was debating danny or Arya would be the most likely among our main cast to die 
Yeah, I mean, Cersei, if you include her in the main cast, um, which I guess you can, but of the, of the, I mean, it's a controversial pick, but I think Danny is more likely to die than the rank and file fan would believe. Yeah, I think she's very much likely to die. Uh, I think particularly in the book, she's very likely to die because they've again announced another prophecy that kind of strongly suggests John may kill her. Um, so I, yeah, I think I don't picture Danny surviving the season, and I don't. There's a question. Do you think her dragons survive Danny, or that they already died by the point she does? Uh, I think that um, Rhaegal will survive. I think that um, Danny and Drogon die. Okay. And John rides Rhaegal. I, and I, I would not put it past the show that among the uh, the primary Stark cast, I mean, of our four surviving Starks, I think the most likely one to die is Arya. I. Well, that's because she's just out in front. I mean, like, we even see that in the trailer. Yeah. Like, I mean, she's just on the battlements, just wailing away. It's like, well, you know, you could compare that to my number one most likely to live, um, which is a nice segue, uh, Sansa, where yeah. same logic as Bran. If Sansa gets got, it's all lost. Yeah. Like, I mean, she, she would be one of the last people to die, whereas Arya would be one of the first, right, because she's out in front. Uh, yeah, and it's interesting that we that we think John is lo- more likely to survive than Arya is, despite the fact that John's very much going to be out front too. I just yeah, it's just plot armor. Yeah, <laughs> he just it doesn't seem to die. Um, and you know, I think there was a little bit of foreshadowing in that first teaser trailer we got for season eight, oh. where John is looking at a statue of himself, but it very much looks like a a statue of a much older John. It, yeah, that's true. You noticed that. Uh, we also see in the uh, what the more recent trailer that came out after that that Arya bloodied and running scared through the catacombs. That I very much picture they can have Arya die and they can make it hurt for us. Yeah, that's still so weird. Like I can't wait to see that scene because I just don't understand what could have happened to scare Arya that bad. Like I don't. Anyway, that's weird. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I think we've got a reasonable set of predictions there in terms of likelihood of death. Um, I, I mean, there's countless other characters which are likely to die, but in terms of characters that just come to mind, that seems like a good a good chunk. Okay, let's move to the next segment, which will be your big prediction uh, for how the season will go. I'll go first, give you a chance to, to kind of collect your thoughts, and then we'll we'll go into betting. We'll, we'll lay our money down, uh, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. So my big prediction, this is I've thought about this. I've got a big... Um, corkboard with string and pictures i'm like carrie from homeland um i've thought through this here is my thought for how the season really goes i think that you're going to have the reunion episode in episode one you'll have the battle preparation episode in uh episode two episode three will be the battle with the others i believe danny's forces will lose Mm -hmm. uh and they will have to retreat um i think that a you know some subset of danny's army uh, Danny and her dragon and John and Rhaegal um, will have to retreat south. Mm-hmm. And I think they will show up at King's Landing and Cersei will think, okay, we're fighting now. And it's going to be Danny flying in on dragon, hopping down and saying, they're coming. We lost. If you want to live, we have got to work together. Mm-hmm. And I think that Cersei will hear that message and will actually do it. Yeah. And I think that they, you will have in season or episode five, you will have a battle with what's left of Danny's forces and her dragons, Cersei, what's left of the Lannister forces and the Gold Company, taking on the others in King's Landing and finally winning. Yeah. Um, and then you, and I think in that process, Cersei will die. I think Danny will die, and I think that John will let the throne sit empty and will go back north. I are you done? 
Yep, I'm done. I will, that very much mirrors what I believe how the season's actually going to go out. I will just add a small coda on that. Okay. Uh, exactly playing out as you described of where Cersei in some ways has to emerge as the hero of the story in terms of bringing the bulk of the forces to now fight in some way at this final battle here, wherever it is in King's Landing or fighting at the Neck or wherever else. I would just add the code of that either near the end of that battle or after that battle's over, where what remains of the Northern Alliance has effectively been even further decimated and where Cersei's forces are either roughly intact or at least not bat- as badly battered. Cersei will be in a position that she's going to order the, order her forces to turn on them. It's going to be in a position to order her forces to just finally wipe them off the board. And in that moment, Jamie's going to be the one that kills her. That Jamie's going to be the one that steps in to stop the Mad King once again, ending Cersei in a way that prevents that order from being carried out, that prevents that final destruction from occurring. And Jamie will die in that process. Cersei will die in that process. But it will have the effect that any command that she had will be destabilized. And that John, as you said, will essentially just leave it. Leave it back to the Seven Kingdoms, not claim the throne, not announce his birthright, not anything else. Maybe even the Gold Company will bow to him if they recognize him as the last surviving Targaryen. Who knows? But I agree with you that he will not take the throne. He will just go back into the north, into a semi-kind of exile, or just leaving the Game of Thrones the burnout cinder that it is. But that, that, that is how I honestly picture it playing out. But if you're giving me 10 to 1 odds, I'm betting on Cersei winning. Well, I, that's, that's going to be a good segue. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just don't, I really don't want it to be as simple as episode three, John and Danny fight, the others win. Episode four, they collect themselves. Episode five, they go down to King's Landing and win. And then episode six, like John and Danny will. Like, that would be I, so lame. I really hope that's not how I it plays out. I very much hope it doesn't. That would be a very, that would be, again, very apparent that they do not have any notes from, from George R. R. Martin. <laughs> that they are just writing up a, a quote-unquote, fan-satisfying ending. But I don't think this fan base would enjoy that ending. Um, yeah, and one of the things that make, I keep mentioning this, I'm going to keep mentioning it as we almost lead up to the new season, is they didn't show us anything from episode four, five, six. They didn't. And that makes me think that there is something that happens in episode three that we just are not expecting. Yeah. Uh, and Danny losing, and John losing, and having to retreat, and then basically be beggars with Cersei. Like, hey, they're coming. They've already beat us. This is what we have left. We have to join together, and maybe we'll win, but probably not. And then Cersei's saying, yeah, I do like your twist, though. I like the idea that Cersei goes, okay, uh, I played my, my Tywin card. This worked. We beat the others. Mm-hmm. Their army is decimated. Maybe Danny is dead at this point, yeah. and it's just John leading the army. And she goes, okay, Golden Company, go get him. And Jamie says, uh, not so fast. Like, that. that's really fucked up. Yeah. Because <laughs> that dude just saved humanity. Mm-hmm. And so that scene of Danny walking along the throne room with snow upon it, I can almost picture that whatever Jamie does to stop Cersei results in the blowing up of King's Landing, results in the blowing up the Red Keep in some shape or form, in some way. Um, and then we get that last haunting scene of maybe even John walking through the ruins upon, upon the throne, snow still falling, but maybe finally stopping, and then just leaving it and going north. Um, yeah, I actually see Danny falling um, on Drogon, fighting the Night King when the Night King is on uh, Viserion. Yeah. Uh, and, and doing it to protect King's Landing. Because didn't we have that great back and forth um, with Cersei and Tyrion in Season 7? Mm-hmm. 
where Tyrion goes, look, she wanted to bring, bring fire and blood. She wanted to just end this. And later on, Tyrion goes, well, I think she'd be a great ruler. And Cersei throws it back in his face and says, you, you said she wanted to destroy King's Landing. Yeah. How great would it be after they posit that left to her own devices, she would destroy King's Landing? In fact, she saves King's Landing, uh, you know, and, and it cost her life. Yeah, that very much could play out. Uh, I picture Bran having some, we didn't mention him, but I picture him having some integral role in how the uh, the Night King and the others are ultimately defeated. Because I don't know another practical way they could do it. We know, or at least we have strong reason to believe, that the two of them work under the same magic. That they are both are drawing into the magic of the Children of the Forest. We know that they have a certain degree of connection to each other, be it either from the touch or the nature of their magic and powers. We know that Bran's abilities now stretch across literally fucking time. So, in terms of their ace in the hole to have even the slightest chance of defeating this guy, he seems first and foremost. But I don't picture him getting out of Winterfell alive, meaning that he'd have to in some way help them after uploading into the Weirwood net. But who knows how that could potentially play out. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, Vegas still has Bran as most likely to sit the throne. That is just dumb. I, I, yeah, that's weird. I, I mean, the biggest problem with that theory is Bran does not want that. He does not he give a damn. He doesn't want to be Lord of Winterfell. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe if you involve some time travel element of him going back and investing himself in the Mad King to explain the whole burn them with fire thing. Maybe, but I hope they don't do that either because it takes away from the Mad King. Um, but I, I don't picture in this modern era, Bran in his current form sitting the, the, um, I think it's much more likely that the uh, throne simply doesn't exist rather than Bran sitting it. Agreed. All right. Do you want to go to our best? Please. Okay. We're going to start with the one we've been teasing all episode and during our, uh, podcast where we talked about the season eight trailer, Cersei wins the Game of Thrones. I think, um, <laughs> I'm willing to give you 10 to 1 odds, and I'm willing to put 30 bucks in. That means if you win, you get 300. I win, I get 30. I will take those odds. I mean, you don't take... You, for 10 to 1 odds of those terms, I think it has an off chance. I mean, we've described that we both seem to think the North is going to lose. That this vast alliance of Dothraki, Unsullied, Northerners, uh, are the Knights wow. of the Vale, Wildlings... This coalition of all of the willing is going to mostly die. <laughs> we think that they are going to fail, that the Battle of Winterfell will be a defeat, and that it will be just a cast-off survivors that are able to make it farther south to continue whatever resistance is still they're still capable of. Under those circumstances, Cersei is in a prime position to A, be the primary remaining army to, to resist against the coming of the night, and B, in a hell of a hell of a difficult to dispute position to make a claim for the throne afterwards. <laughs> That. Yeah, I mean, I'm giving you the odds. Um, I'm taking them. I understand that there's a chance that Cersei could do this, but I think that's that's an easy 30 bucks for me. Uh, um, I think that there's going to be a point, probably in episode five, where I get like um, really um, sarcastic and condescending texts from you about how you're going to spend the $300. Yeah, totally. Uh, because it's going to look like she's going to win. Uh, but in the end, I think, I think she does die. Um, would you like to posit a bet? Uh, problem that if you're not ready, I can do another. One. If you if you want to do another one, go ahead. Because the problem problem I ultimately have is we both kind of agree on what the most likely scenario is, or at least like our, our preferred scenario is. Okay, so let's go to some incidents. Okay, let's do some not. We're, we're talking about the big overarching plot. Let's talk about just you know um, ones that maybe you know bets that aren't you're, central to how this. You're writing these down. Ultimately, you're you're writing these down, right? Got yeah, it. Yep. Yeah. Braun gets a castle. 
Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not disputing you on that one. I, ter- I, I think he, I would rank Braun as very, very high on the list of characters to survive this series. Okay, so you think Braun's going to get a cast? I, yes, I think Braun will survive and be in a position of power when he does so. Okay, will you give me three to one odds? Three to one odds on that point. Yeah. Ten bucks. Ten bucks. Yep. You give me thirty if I win. Braun doesn't get a castle. I mean, does it have to literally be a castle or a position of power? Because I was saying position of power. Yeah, I, I'm okay with okay. that. I'm okay castle, with position of power. Some level of a lordship, oh. some holding, um, and he survives. Survi- survives and makes that better for it. Yeah, I'll, I'll put I'll put ten dollars three to one odds on that bet. Okay. All right. Do you have one to cook up? If not, I can keep. You keep going. going. So I'm, I'm going to think. I'm see, see if I can think of a good one as, as we go. Okay, Danny dies. I've got this at one to one. I think this is a fifty-fifty. There's no play. point in that. We both agree it's going to happen. Okay, I will. I will say she lives. You will say say she lives for the sake of a bet. Yeah, absolutely. Let's make this fun. Uh, let's do ten bucks on that too. All right, ten bucks. I get ten bucks. She dies. I'll, I'll, I'll on the same coda. John lives. Ooh, that one's tough. Um, I know which side you want to take. You want to take he lives, right? I, I prefer to take that. But if you if you okay. want to do the other way around, I don't mind. Uh, I'm gonna need some odds if I take John dies. <sighs> two to one. Three, two to one. I'll take it. Two to one. Two. Let's put twenty bucks. Twenty on. bucks. Fine. All right, we put some coin down. This is okay. Good. What, uh, let's uh, let's do another scenario because I feel like I'm taking some risky positions here. So give me give, give me one that's got more reasonable terms. You set you set a bet. Okay. Um, I will do one to no. I will do two to one. Um, so you are getting two to one odds mm-hmm. if you take that the the battle on episode three will result in some level of a loss and retreat for Danny and John. Look, so I'm saying that th- that battle will result in some loss or retreat. Right, and you're getting two to one odds. So I am saying that's a risk, man. I'll give, I'll give you two to one that they win. I mean, I, I don't I don't want to take more than ten for me there because I I feel like I got that one in the bag. Okay. Uh, this is me betting against the show. Rugby. I know. <laughs> okay. I, I'm going to, I'm going to do an off an offside one. I'm going to give you pretty good odds on it, but I, not only does Sam survive, but there will be some strong suggestion at the end of this, that he is the writer of the song of ice and fire. I like it. Um, what, what odds do you think or think are reasonable for that one? Cause I'm, I'm taking that position, but I'm giving you the very strong chance. That they're not going to do something on that. Yeah, I think I I think we can go one to one there, can't we? Fine, one to one, fifteen. Okay. Cause I I, I, right. I would like I that, it. and I think there's some hints at it, but it might be too. I don't know whether they'll actually go that route. Watch Sam die, episode one. All right, I'm getting these down. Um, let's do maybe one or two more. Um, we have to do this one. Will we see click aim ball? Will we see click aim ball? I, I gotta take no. I, I, I'm not, I'm not betting yes on click aim ball. I'm willing to bet yes. Well, 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 I just thought of a scenario where it could happen. Okay, In the scenario we just imagined of where Cersei briefly orders her forces to turn on Danny's forces. Sandor and, and the mountain meeting in battle for that moment, the two of them fighting before Jamie's able to put this kibosh on this, or even if he doesn't and Cersei wins, I can picture that happening. Okay, do you want to take yes? That's not really a bowl. It's still the two of them fighting. Is that how we're defining bowl? 
Absolutely. Yeah. If if they in so much as like their swords hit each other. I I will say that that is going to happen in some shape or form. I don't think they can deny the fandom to that degree. Good. That, thank you, because I wanted to take no, because as we talked about earlier in this podcast, one of the things I'm excited about is that not happening. Yeah, I know. Uh, what what, what, what uh, odds are you giving me on that one? Uh, let's go one to one. One to one. That's fair. And do 15 bucks. Okay. How much total do we have down at this point? I need to know if I've got, if I've got enough in the bank to, to survive it. <laughs> Um, we got a, I mean, you don't have that much down. I've got a lot because I gave you that 10 to 1 Cersei. Yeah, that, that one's money in your pocket, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so, but I, I still got, I still got it out. There. Okay, let's, um, let's do one more. I think one, one, one more good one should, should, should encapsulate it. So, okay. wait, do you have one in mind or should we ponder this for a second? I, I have one. Okay, yes, give ahead. me. Who will be the first? primary or secondary character and I define secondary character by being someone who has been in more than three seasons okay to die in the battle with the others in episode three in episode three so we're simply defining this as the, ba- the battle that they appear to be depicting outside of Winterfell whether it's necessarily see episode three or not yeah it's going to be episode yeah. three but yeah I mean they've, they've, they've even told us that through Entertainment Weekly it's not uh, they're worried about spoiling um, the first it has to be a character in that battle, right? So if if what I predicted is true, that Beric, Dondarrion, and Tormund go to Last Hearth, they'll they will likely die before. Yeah, I agree. They don't We've distinctly not seen either of them in the in the ranks that are outside there. So I agree. Yeah, I think they die at Last Hearth. Okay. I want to know when we start episode three, who is the first character who has been in the show for more than three, three or more seasons to 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 kick off? Very warm. All right, you're taking great. I'm work. taking great work because I don't picture him retreating back into Winterfell. We've not seen him fighting on the walls of Winterfell in the same way the other characters have. Whew. Yeah, that's tough because I don't. Who else could it be? I mean, I don't. We've seen Brienne fighting on the walls. We've seen Jamie fighting on the walls. We've seen Tyrion fighting on the walls. We've seen Sam. We've seen Arya inside. We've seen Jon charging back apparently into Winterfell. I don't picture Danny dying at that battle at that time. Ah. Uh, I think Grey Worm's the bet. Okay, you take Grey Worm. I will take Jorah. Oh, reasonable bet. Reasonable bet. And let's put fifteen on it. And if one to one, if it's not, if it's yeah, one to one. If it's not Grey Worm or Jorah, it's a no payout. So, so fair. But I think Jorah. I think if it's not Grey Worm, Jorah is a reasonable bet. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I think we've got some good odds. We here. are invested um, now. Yeah, what we're going to do is I'm going to put the uh, the actual bets on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So uh, www.facebook.com slash Mangum Talks. Mm-hmm. I'll have the bets up there. The folks who care can follow along. Uh, watch me Rob Spencer one. Um, Par for the course. <laughs> and we're going to have our season eight coverage, which is going to include two podcasts a week. Uh, one will be a reaction pod that we do about 15 minutes on what the hell did we just see. And the other will be a more long-form uh, pod, which will probably just include a recap. I don't think there's any book nerd bitching to be done. Maybe we'll do Best Line. Maybe we'll do some other segment that we haven't cooked up yet. But either anyway, we're going to cover Season 8 of Game of Thrones. We're super excited about it. Spencer, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I'm just very much excited for the next coming season. Very much excited to have an episode of Magnum Breeze that addresses the, uh, sh- the mythos as well. Uh, we're doing it all Game of Thrones focus going forward, and I'm excited to have it. Yep, I love it. All right, thanks, everybody. See you.